This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 144 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We are a little bit off on our schedule here. It's been a bit crazy with summer starting here and winter beginning to set in there in uh, Aussie land. So our uh, schedules have not lined up exactly right. I was in Florida last week, actually. And at this mm-hmm. point, I think, let's see. Yeah, no, we were we were probably heading back at, our, at, at this point. But uh, yeah, had a good week in Florida. I've got a little bit, if you're on the live stream, you can see on my hat here, I've got a little bit of salt water still on this hat. It's uh, my favorite hat, and I happened to wear it into the ocean. And uh, yeah, I just figured I'm not going to wash it for a little bit. Just leave some of that salt water on there. So yeah, good times. We had a great time, and now we are Very back. Nice. And Michael's kids are feeling a little bit better after having a little bit of mm. no fun sickness in the house for a bit. But we are back and ready to, ready to talk about Laravel good stuff. So mm. We had overlapping birthdays as well. That's right. Your, your little guy yep. had his fourth, fourth birthday. Yep. Eli had his third birthday. Sadly, we had to cancel his party today because they'd both been homesick all week. So yeah, they were bouncing. The the youngest, not so much. She was okay. Little Liv, just uh, tough to sleep at night, coughing, uh, coughing and spluttering. And Eli was just bouncing off the walls full of energy because when you can't really take him <laughs> outside because it's cold and the, he can't go to childcare because he's sick, um, there's a lot of pent up energy. And it and because it was just he wasn't doing anything, he was up. From like morning to night, no naps during the day, getting cranky at the end of it, getting uh last week has been a month, so <laughs> indeed, man. Took him out of the house yesterday, grocery shopping. I just had to had to get him out. Had to get him out. Take the doggo for a walk. So yeah, so you and uh you and Harrison share a birthday, I think, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Harrison turned yep. four and you turned forty two? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 30, Dude, 35 that'll be the day right when it's like we when we hit 40 oh man yeah. those of you, there are plenty of people who listen to this podcast i know that are over 40 so no offense but uh that'll be that's like the next big milestone over the hill right do you guys do that there do you guys call it over the hill too yeah yeah every i'm pretty sure every milestone is getting over the hill yeah. it's all just different hills 21's a hill 30's a hill i'm gonna rent a i'm gonna rent a know. hearse to come to your birthday party <laughs> for your 40th it's gonna be great Nice. I'm gonna nice. I'm gonna make everything. Re, I'm gonna make re put you in the casket in the back and have it go around the block and then bring you back just for fun. That'll be my birthday present oh, to you from US to Australia. It'll be good times. I'm not, I'm not not sure how much fun that'll be. <laughs> I know somebody who actually did that. Like, are you kidding me? They showed up in like a Grim Reaper <laughs> costume and had a hearse. Ridiculous. Anyway, I won't do that. I promise. Yeah. But uh, anyway, hey folks. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in. We are gonna jump into releases here i'll go ahead and take the first one we got 8.45 if it pulls up come on internet come on internet there we go all right so the laravel team released 8.45 with custom blade echo handlers model broadcasting download assertions and the latest changes in the 8.x branch so luke downing contributed these custom blade echo handlers so before i read it here's here's my impression of how this works have you ever had an object or a class that you've wanted to be able to just throw into a blade template, but for some reason you don't have control over the two string method 
of that object, right? So you want or to Or it be, doesn't have one. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, or it doesn't have one, right? Or it could be that it's from, from a uh, package or something like that, right? And it would be really nice to say, hey, when I render or when I throw this class or a variable that is of this type of class into a blade view, here's how I want you to display it. That's essentially what this does. So it gives you mm-hmm. the ability to echo out a string representation of an object where you don't have control over the two-string magic method. So uh, it gives you an example of the, in the documentation using a money class so that you can return format to uh, en Great Britain. So it would show you know what it would show if you were if you're in Great Britain. So with the stringable callback then registered, which you could do of course in any of your service providers, you can then echo out the object in a blade template as expected with any object using the custom closure instead of the two string on the object. So they've got custom echo handlers in the documentation now, which is pretty cool. Taylor Otwell, the Otwell himself, also contributed more convenient model broadcasting features, which introduces the ability to indicate that an eloquent model should automatically broadcast state changes. Here's what Taylor basically had to say about this. It's common to broadcast events when your application's eloquent models are created, updated, or deleted. And you can do that right now. It's nothing stopping you from doing that. You can accomplish that by manually defining custom events for eloquent model state changes. So you could say, if you had like a user, you could say user created, user updated, user deleted. You could you could define all of those events. And then um, you could then uh, mark those with the should broadcast interface. You can do that, no problem. However... If you're not using these events for any other purpose in your application, it can be really annoying to have to create classes for all those things, right? So instead, Laravel now allows you to indicate that an eloquent model should automatically broadcast its state changes. So to use this feature, you now just implement this new broadcast events trait, and then this will work in tandem with a broadcast on method, which allows you to have control over the channels that the model events should broadcast on as well. Uh, So that's pretty nice. It's just, again, like developer experience, which Taylor is always super aware of, mm-hmm. makes their life a lot easier uh, if you're trying to do that. Uh, Tenmei Michu contributed the ability to assert that a test response is a download. So we have the need to do this in a couple of our apps, actually. And I think the way we're doing it right now is we're just inspect- inspecting the headers or something like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. now what you can do is you can just say response, arrow, assert, download. And you can actually also include as a argument there the name of the file that should be returned, right? So you could say assert download invoice.pdf or something. So it makes it easier to test different types of file responses, like response download or binary file response or storage download. Uh, And you can check out that uh, assertion in the testing documentation. So that's 8.44 and 8.45. It looks like both are in this here. And you can check out, of course, full changes on GitHub. All right. We also had 8.46, which had the ability to add custom notification stubs, methods indicating the right connection should be used on your eloquent uh, models or on the on the query builder, I suppose, at a timestamp reference to the schedule run artisan command output and columns in the order by list must be unique. So I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants here because there isn't actually an article right. for it. I'm running through the release notes up on, on GitHub so the first one, Laravel gives the ability to publish stub files. So if you were to do PHP artisan vendor, no, stub colon publish from the command line, it will take all of the the stubs that are used to generate your models and controllers and tests and things like that when you use the make artisan commands. So a new one here was added, giving you the ability 
to um, publish stubs for custom notifications. And this allows you to do things like updating your default templates to remove doc blocks, add return types, extend your own notification class, and so on and so forth. These are really helpful if you have a certain way that you want, like if you don't want to have the defaults that Laravel provides you. I know that in in my custom base repository that I use for my applications, I've got the stubs published in there and then I modify them to remove all of the, the doc blocks and things like that. My migrations, I take out the down method because I never use those and things like that. So if, if you want to customize that, this is just giving you another a piece of that customization pu- puzzle. The, the notification stub wasn't there before. So thanks to Bogdan Charchenko, Karchenko, uh, who contributed that one. We've also got methods for indicating the right connection should be used. So this is whether or not the connection should use the right PDO connection in your models, in your query builder, and things like uh, this. This is around whether where you're using a separate read and write node for your databases. So if you have a single um, primary write database server, and then that replicates to all of your secondary servers and things like that, just to spread the the read loads from your application, and it takes into account the the sticky. So if you were to write and wanted to read back immediately, it would it would connect to the same database rather than establishing a connection to the read node. So this is all around forcing whether the right connection should be used on a particular connection uh, or query. We've also got adding a timestamp reference to the schedule run artisan command. It's a small update uh, to print the timestamp reference, reference on every execution. So previously, I think it would just spit out that a command was running. It would now print out the timestamp for you. Right. So if you are monitoring that or you were checking the output within Forge or whatever, you'd be able to see when that scheduled command actually ran, uh, which is helpful if you're wanting to make sure things are running on time if you're not using a scheduled task monitoring service. And then the last thing we have here is columns in the order nice. by list must be unique. Uh, so this references back to a, uh, a previous merge request, which has I don't know, gone, disappeared. But there is an issue open. Uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes if you would like to peruse further. Absolutely. All right. So jumping on to news here. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Laravel. Happy birthday to you. Laravel is 10 years old on June 9th. June 9th was officially the 10th birthday of the very first beta release of Laravel. And it's come a long way in 10 years. Uh, it also is, mm. I think I was looking at, somebody said also that it's been six years since Laravel News. They referenced the newsletter version, I think. And it's like 300 and something, 50, maybe it's seven years old. In any case, uh, there was in, in this uh, blog post here, there's a screenshot of Taylor's original announcement here. It was Laravel. A classy new PHP framework, RESTful, ORM, Sessions, Caching, Codeigniter style docs. That was a big one for Taylor. I know Codeigniter was really sort of took off because they had such great documentation. And I think that's also a huge reason why Laravel succeeded originally and why it continues Mm -hmm. to succeed is because they're so insistent on excellent documents. And in fact, Nuno recently tweeted out, Nuno Maduro, tweeted out like, what's something that I've been learning recently? And he said, since I've gone to Laravel, I've learned how to write really good documentation. That's something that I've learned. And it's so it's true, right? They still do that even Mm -hmm. today. 
And so Abigail Otwell, actually, Taylor's wife as well, posted on Facebook and said, I remember when we were like, I was 20, Taylor was 25, and I would go to bed and the kids would go to bed and Taylor would be up every night till 1 or 2 a.m. working on this. And it was just for like fun, right? Uh, and yeah. he would, he posted it up on GitHub and she said like, he was really excited that a couple people had like started and shared it on Facebook. He was just really geeked about that. But originally this was not mm-hmm. for any money and he, so he just wanted to make something for himself that he could really use. And I, I've heard the whole origin story before, but he had like a pull request out there for, for code igniter, I think, and nobody would pull it in. Like, it was just kind of like, he couldn't yeah. get the attention of the, the maintainers in order to pull it in. So he's like, fine, I'll just, yeah, I'll this just is make the ISA container. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Eric says here, I'd love to write about the entire history, but it'd be a thousand page book at this point. From the beginning to today, Laravel (laughs) never settles and continues to innovate. In the past 10 years, the framework has grown to be the most popular PHP framework, an entire worldwide ecosystem with conferences, meetup jobs, and of course, its own enterprise with all these products, which there is one, two, three times one, two, three, four, five, 18 products. Vapor, Four, John Voyer, Horizon, Nova, Echo, Lumen, Sail, Spark, Valet, Mix, Cashier, Dusk, Sanctum, Scout, Socialite, Telescope, Jetstream. It's crazy. It's made a huge impact on the tech world. And uh, Eric says here, I want to personally thank everyone that's contributed to the framework and Taylor personally for all the hard work he's put into over the past 10 years. Yes, Taylor, tireless maintenance and innovation and so much appreciate all that he's done, not only for the world of PHP, but for all the developers' lives that he has literally changed. Uh, Lots Mm -hmm. of people are successful Mm -hmm. today or have jobs today because of Laravel. So thank you, Taylor. And thank you, Eric, for continuing to... uh, keep up with everything that's going on here as well as all the people that Eric helps to employ to to make this show happen as well. Next up, the Laravel team released Cashier Stripe version 13 that includes new payment methods, multiple discounts on receipts, syncs customer data with Stripe data and the latest improvements since the version 12 release. So Dries Vince is leading the charge on development for Stripe and contributed new user payment methods to the PHP API, which allows you to specify payment method type, including SEPA, 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 direct debit payments. Here is a preview from the cashier Stripe release announcement post. So we've got payment methods. You could get SEPA payment methods. You can determine if a user has a particular payment method and you can delete a particular payment method. We've also had the contribution Uh, the ability to sync customer data with Stripe using a booted model method to handle syncing during the updated model event. So within your model, you could have a protected function booted, and then that calls the, and you can make this queuable. Queuable is a helper method for those of you who don't know, you could pass a closure and it will just throw an anonymous closure onto the queue to the process. And this allows you to just sync your Stripe customer details whenever a model is updated. Bendo and Dries Vince also collaborated on the ability to be able to preview an invoice for any price changes. So you can preview upcoming invoices using the subscription preview invoice method. Um, and there's a whole lot more. And, and from what I saw, I think Dries said there's a bunch more stuff coming in some future releases as well. So you can see the complete list of new features and updates in the post we'll link to in the show notes. There's also a diff between the most recent 12.14 and version 13 on GitHub. And if you do need to upgrade from version 12, reference the upgrading to thirteen version 13 from version 12 guide and check out the announcement post, which goes into more details of the version 13 release. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. I really like this, um, the ability to update customer data with Stripe using a booted model method to handle syncing during the updated model event. This is really interesting. I love the fact that they're using that queuable there. Mm-hmm. 
And actually, this is something that we have a challenge of on our side. We don't really want, we want the data updated. And this isn't specifically with a Stripe, but with a system of record that we have, that's a legacy system of record. And as a result, because it's legacy, it takes a little while to get this, this data imported. So when a user does come on, uh, we have a background job that we fire and then we go look that stuff up. And um, I think recently we actually realized that for one for that one particular place, it was not getting queued, right? And so what we didn't mm-hmm. find out until a little bit later was that we had a, it was really slow for people to log in, right? And so actually our sponsor today helps to take care of that stuff. So Scout APM is actually designed to help with that exact problem. Scout APM, which stands for Application Performance Monitoring, is designed to help you as a PHP developer find and fix your performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. Uh, So it's got a developer-centric UI and logic that actually ties the bottlenecks to your source code. So N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, all those things are going to be shown to you exactly where they occur inside your code. So you can spend less time debugging your code and more time building the next awesome feature. Has real-time alerting, also has weekly digest emails, and you can rest easier knowing that Scout is on watch to help you resolve these performance issues before your customers even see them. Today, you can give a Scout a try for 14 days for free and experience why developers are loving Scout and using it on all of their applications. For Laravel News listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice. There's lots to choose from these days, folks. we got lots of people making amazing contributions to open source and uh, would love your sponsorships. So to get a free 14-day trial as well as sponsor your favorite open source project, go to scoutapm.com slash Laravel News and you can get that free 14-day trial so you can find those bugs and start fixing them. Thanks, Scout. We appreciate it. Okay, what do we got next, my friend? My notion is freaking out here. Laravel. Laravel microscope is the next thing we've got Ooh, here. Wait, wait, wait. Where is this? Why am I missing it? I don't see microscope. No, short URL. Smart error checking. Smart error checking and refactoring development tool for Laravel. Let's hear it. So Microscope is a Laravel development tool that includes smart checks to discover errors related to applications. The highlight features, according to the package authors read me, include that it is created to be smarter than PHP Storm Ooh. and other IDEs in finding Those errors. fighting words. It is created... <laughs> Those are fighting words, even from someone who doesn't use PHP Storm. <laughs> it, is, it is created to understand Laravel runtime and its associated magic. It does not show you false errors. All the errors are really errors. And even if you have written a lot of test PRP, you may still need this. You can refactor your code by applying earlier returns automatically, and it is written from scratch to yield the maximum performance possible. The package includes over 17 different checks and a special command to run all of them. The commands will help you discover bugs and pitfalls in your applications that you might not have very many tests for. However, this package can also be helpful for apps that do have tests. So uh, it helps you... It has some useful commands that will help you avoid common pitfalls such as using database queries in your blade templates, detecting quote-unquote bad practices such as using ENV calls out of your configuration files. You can automatically flatten functions and loops by applying the early return rule. It allows you to check your view and view make calls and report if they are referring to incorrect or missing files and validates event handler registration and gate policies and definitions. Uh, I assume this is running as some kind of command line utility as opposed to being part of your IDE. So that may or may not be a blocker to some, 
you know, you could put it in as part of your CI process and fail builds based on that potentially. Um, I'd be curious to to try it out just to see how it behaves. I know obviously PHP Storm has a lot of intelligence in it to to do some of these checks. It's got refactoring tools built in and things yeah. like that. But it is it's a you know it's PHP agnostic, and whilst it does have stuff built specifically for Laravel, um, you know having having a, a one size fits all tool sometimes will miss some of the edge cases and things like that that a that a focus tool does do. It would be interesting to see you know if there is some tie-in or some way that you could sort of hook it into your workflow so that you don't have to sort of break out of your development workflow or your IDE or whatever to go and run a, a command line tool to see if there's any errors in it. You know, if you're using pre-commit hooks or if, you, as I said, if you're putting it into your GitHub Actions or your GitLab pipelines or whatever, you know, just to do it. Because for for any of this kind of stuff, any of the linting and analysis and, and things like that tooling, if I have to remember to do it, it's probably not going to get done. And that's always the, the the kicker for me is that remembering to do something versus something just happening is, you know, the, the difference between it actually getting done for me. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this too. And the other thing that I'd be maybe, what I would likely do, I think on this is I'd probably make all my changes, commit, and then run these. Because it doesn't sound like it really gives you the option to like, it's not like it notifies you and says, hey, Here's the thing you need to change. Of course, I don't mm. know this because I've never used it before. But it sounds like it does the refactor for you and kind of like that informs you what it fixed. Uh, it looks like on some of them you can do a dash dash no fix, which is sort of like a dry run, I'm supposing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they mm-hmm. have that for other stuff too. I'm not exactly sure. So that'd be my only thing. I would say like just make sure that, you know, and again, I could be totally wrong. Commit your stuff and then be like, okay, go ahead and run this command and see what it does. Uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, like any things like this that are going to make our lives easier so that we don't have to go through all of our, uh, you know, all of our events and make sure that they're all working exactly as we want. Or, or you know, this is going to automatically scan mm-hmm. your code base and make your life a little bit easier to solve common problems. All about it. Go for it. So mm-hmm. there we go. Hmm. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. The, yeah, the sure. creator has got a like a short video, 15 minute video that you can check out that they go through that. Looks like it's a, a reasonably popular library in the terms of things on on GitHub's got quite a quite a few stars and and users and and th- and contributors as well, which is obviously important for something that's analyzing code. You want to make sure that you've got some reasonably broad oversight into what it's doing and and how it's going about it to catch edge cases and things like that. So definitely definitely check it out. Absolutely. Okay, we've actually also got a package by a developer, Ash Allen. And this is for creating shortened URLs in your Laravel application. I've built this twice, by the way. This is, mm-hmm. you know, one of those things that's like everybody's got to build their own URL shortener, right? It's kind of like everybody's got to write their own blog mm-hmm. platform. The thing is with the URL shortener, it's actually insanely easy. But there are a lot of things that are included in this package that you might not have thought to put in one if you had created it yourself. So with this, you can easily create a new short URL with the following code to get started. So you just include a new builder. And then you'd say, here's the destination URL. Go ahead and make it. And then what it will do is it will return to you an object, which you can then grab off of that, the default short URL. It provides all the basics and a bunch of advanced features to start creating these short shareable URLs for your app. Creates custom URL keys that you can have. Single use short URLs, thanks to Laravel, that makes it really easy. You can, on your links, you can enforce uh, secure, so like HTTPS. You configure the redirect status code to be 302 instead of 301. Uh, so when you hit a 
uh, redirect, right? You're going to hit this link and then it's going to send you somewhere. So you can do a 302 or 301. Uh, you can make a short URL active and inactive on a certain date. So you can just have short-lived times or you can say, don't make this link active until this. So you could say, uh, if you're launching a product, only make it active by this day. Uh, as well, it allows you to track the visitors hitting that by IP address, browser name, browser version, operating system, operating system version, refer URL where they came from, as well as the device type, device type desktop, mobile, tablet, robot, etc. There's a lot of examples um, in the documentation here. All look great. And you can find more about this package and get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub, which I'm going to give it to you right now. It is ash-jc-allen slash short url or what's more likely going to be the case is you're just going to go to the show notes and you're going to click it there so if you've been wanting to or needing to use these use this something like this uh definitely check out this package now i will say in most of the things that i've made are short urls i actually have a different domain for them so Mm-hmm. I I so we have like a wilbur.co so like for the wilbur url shortening we just did wlbr.co slash whatever and then those are you know we just use it for everything basically any short urls that we yeah. need to send out we just always send to there and then it handles all of that so i've never built one or put thrown a package into an existing application to make short urls but um yeah makes sense i mean i can see people using it for sure so there we go. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And next up, we have the HTTP client logger, which is a logger for the built-in Laravel HTTP client that makes logging the request and response simple by sending it to a configured Laravel logger. In its simplest form, the logger package will output a log file. You could do HTTP colon colon log arrow and then get. So wherever your URL is or your post, and it will then log both the request and the response as well as the response body. Uh, so that sorry, the request and the response headers, as well as the response body and any re- request body. You can also conditionally log HTTP requests given a truthy condition using the log when, and even supply logging context to both the log and log when methods. This package also allows you to pass on-demand logging configuration and even specify a logger for complete HTTP logging flexibility. The implementation is made possible through the macroable pending request class. Uh, you can learn more about this package, get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub. I can think of one place where this would be particularly useful and that is in sending webhooks. Yes, for So sure. if you've ever used Stripe, in all of the Stripe webhook events, it will, it will show you the request and the response payloads that are sent from Stripe to your application or to wherever your webhook thing is so that if you need to debug anything, you can go in there and see. So if you're a, if you're You've built an application that is sending webhooks to third parties, being able to track what was sent and what was responded from. You know, if your client or the the consumer of that webhook says, hey, I didn't receive this webhook, you can go in there and check that, yes, it was sent and this is what the server responded with and things like that. So definitely something good from a from an auditing perspective to show that things are functioning as, as intended. So if that's something that you're after, definitely check out this package. Absolutely. Next up, we've got using Leaflet and Google Maps Blade components in Laravel. So Laravel Maps is a package that allows you to easily create maps using Leaflet.js, which, by the way, Leaflet.js is basically just a lightweight uh, JavaScript library for mobile-friendly interactive maps. It only weighs about 39K and has all the mapping features that you would need without having to pull in Google Maps. But it, this also includes Google Maps, and it basically exposes all of this through blade components and so the main features that work with both map engines include things like basic maps a center point 
basic markers, a zoom level, and then you can use different tiles. So there's, uh, it talks about tile hosts in here. And uh, you have things like OpenStreet, uh, which is a creative com creative commence tile library, uh, or you've got Mapbox, which is a for profit company. But instead of using uh, Google Maps every time, you could use these different these different ones that you have available as well. If you're trying to stay off the Google train, which I know some people are, so there's some examples in the show notes. But it's basically X Maps Leaflet, as you would do with any blade component. Um, you can set the center point of the map just by passing in a. Uh, let's see here. I guess it would be a attribute. Let's see when it's HTML. I always forget. Like if you're on an HTML tag, is it attribute? It's attribute. Uh, a center mm-hmm. point attribute, uh, or a zoom level attribute, or a markers attribute, uh, and then there's similar examples using the Google Maps blade components, which is similar. It's just X dash Maps dash Google instead of dash Leaflet. So very similar. And I've found myself. I'm sure all of us have found ourselves needing to do these things and you have to then to go look up the documentation and how do I embed this iframe again and what's the JavaScript I need and all that. And so instead of having to do any of that mess, you can just go download this Laravel Maps package and get started and get busy uh, building that feature really, really quickly without having to mess with all that other garbage. So thank you very much to, let's find out who built this, Lars Wiegers. Thanks, Lars. This looks really good, by the way. Documentation looks good. Got a nice little logo up here. Who made that one thing that makes the logos in the open source projects? Was that Dries? Kaneko. Is it Kaneko? Okay. Kaneko. I don't know. I think you're, I thought, you're telling the story. I here. thought it was Dries. I thought Dries made this thing where no, not sorry, not Dries. Uh Marcel. I think it was Marcel. Oh. You, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Marcel. Yeah. That's not a logo. Yeah, the the read me header. There you go. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. The read me header. Just so got the yep. little yep, Marcel yep, yep. header. That was uh Marcel at Beyond Code. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. Okay, I'm done. You can go now. <laughs> Next up, we have the Laravel excludable package to exclude models from eloquent queries, which allows you to define a subset of models that should be excluded when you clear query an individual model or a collection. Uh, so you can do an article add to exclusion or excluded, uh, and then do a run of fail. It's similar to the soft elise functionality. You can include excluded models using the with excluded or only excluded methods. Um, and then you can configure eloquent models to support exclusions by simply using the excludable trait. I suppose, well, I don't know. Uh, can you think of a, a reason that you would use excludable? Okay, so it's like it's like the reverse of doing where in, right? Mm-hmm. So you essentially say right. excluded okay. the package to exclude models. So you can then say, okay, I want to grab all these and then any of them, these I want to exclude from mine, right? Instead of saying like we're not in or something like that. But I think what mm-hmm. you can do as well is you can sort of build this up. So you could say article add to exclusion, article excluded, and then you, right. so, like, okay. so they have like in this case, they say article find the first one and then they say add to the excluded, uh, add to the exclusion. And then they have a, Another method called excluded, which then returns a truthy statement is like, is this one excluded or not from my current query? And then when you do find or fail, it just it, it says, nope, it's not there. So basically, without having to, I don't know, it is interesting. I'm not exactly sure when you would use it, but essentially it kind of hijacks the the query builder so that if you actually exclude a method mm-hmm. or exclude a, 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 a model and then say find or fail, it will fail. It will say, nope, it's not there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because you've basically mm-hmm. marked it as excluded, so I'm I can't mm-hmm. think of it a, a exact use case, other than if you hmm, 
No, well, I can't think of an exact use In case. the readme here, we've got an example usage could be an application with a multi-tenant scenario okay. and a set of global entities. While those entities should be accessible by all tenants, some of them might want to hide a subset of those entities for their users. You can find an example in the usage section. Hmm. So if you said like, mm-hmm. hmm. let's say, let's say like if you had, if you had like a list of titles, let's say like by default, like if you're, you're doing like a uh, Disney plus app, right? And mm-hmm. by default, all users should be able to see all movies and all listings. But if you're in a kid's profile, you should exclude any adult content. So they can't even find it. It's not okay. there. Right. Uh, so then you can yep. just say, find yep. anything that's adult content and exclude it. And then when they do find it, find mm-hmm. on it, it's like, nope, it's not there. So it's not like you have to look it up and then say, oh, we'll show this unless it's adult content. It's just, it's not even there. It's just, it's like, it doesn't exist in the database. All right. Yeah, a, I dig. I make, I'm, I'm, I understand. I reckon that's a, that's a good, good example. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. I'm going to move to the next one. Notion API. How many of you out there use Notion? Hand, raise your hands. I do. We're using Notion. We right are now. using Notion at the <laughs> moment. It's you know what I find Notion is good, but I really only use it for like to do lists and mm-hmm. like I don't know. I, I I like how easy it is to edit in it. So I take lots of notes in Notion, and it's really nice and and easy to keep it organized. Also, who doesn't like a great icon next to something or like the icons at the top of the pages? It's really handy, and it's like infinitely nestable, so you can just nest, 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 nest. Now. And there are tons of people who use them for like all the databases and stuff like that. I don't do that. That's that's too fancy for me. Mm. In any case, mm-hmm. there's now a Notion API for Laravel. This is a package to effortlessly, effortlessly create Notion integrations with Laravel. So a very simple and crisp way to access the Notion API endpoints, query data, and update update existing entries. So here are the things that you can do that that are that have convenient methods provided for you. Fetching a Notion page, fetching children from a specific block, searching all databases and pages for a specific string of text, getting all pages in a workspace, and fetching all databases of a workspace. There are a couple usage examples in the um, article here from the API documentation. Uh, Again, as with all things Laravel and packages, uh, it looks really nice. This is using a Fluent interface uh, to allow you to do uh, exactly what we talked about at the top here. And there are some examples of retrieving properties from a specific page as well. If you find yourself needing to do something like this, again, just like we've talked about with the other packages, use one of these things instead of trying to write it yourself. Please don't waste your time. There is so much stuff out there for you that's already been created uh, to make you more effective and to save you lots and lots of time. So if you need to interface with Notion, this is the way to do so. All right, Mr. Michael, Google mm-hmm. Natural Language. We're going we're gonna to rush to the finish here. I know we got a, a little bit of a deadline in front of us. Let's hit it. Mm, the Laravel Natural Language Package makes using the Google Natural Language Processing API in your Laravel application a breeze with minimum, minimum to no configuration, a clean syntax, and a consistent package API. The package utilizes the Google Cloud Language Package under the hood and provides an interface on top of that to conveniently perform operations on text using the API. All right, so you can detect sen- sentiment of uh, of a partic- particular string. You can check the detect the entities, detect the sentiment per entity, detect the syntax, detect the categories, and annotate text uh, of that. The natural language processing API can be helpful to reveal the structure of the text and classify content into predefined categories. Sentiment analysis is beneficial to determine the overall attitude of text, and the API represents it in the form of a score and magnitude of values. So this is good if you're 
maybe parsing over reviews, for example. So if you've got a business that's got public Google reviews or Facebook reviews or Twitter, you know, and you want to you want to check the sentiment of those reviews and maybe flag them for review. Any anytime you receive a new new piece of feedback from your customers, you want to quickly and automatically, I suppose, review that content and see does it sound positive, does it sound negative, and if it's negative, you could flag it for one of your uh, sales team, marketing yeah. team to go and then contact that customer if need be, um, and 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 pursue that further. So that's a, a free little piece of thing. That's certainly something I'd use it for. Um, we wanted to do sentiment analysis a, a couple of jobs ago where we were looking at doing events, you know, live events, and then looking at the feedback for those events and then figuring out, you know, in the context of, of the sentiment around that, whether it was a positive or ne- negative experience for consumers of, of that content. So uh, definitely something that's sort of a lot easier now. A lot of these APIs were non-existent right. back then or they were um, early days. They weren't particularly useful. They weren't public. You know, the the natural language APIs for Google may not have been public. There were not, you know, the, the the transcription APIs and things like that that are available now were only just sort of becoming available back then. So it's cool to see that these things are, A, available. If you've used any of the Google SDKs, they're all generated from API docs and they're not, like they're one-to-one mappings, they're, they're very heavy-handed, they're very scattered. So it's nice to have the you know the the Laravel flavor of abstraction over the top to sort of smooth things out there. So check that out if that is something that you're interested in. For sure. Um, along with that, this is this does not provide the transcoding for you, meaning it does not transcribe the audio to text for you. But this essentially mm-hmm. allows you to pass in a string and then it returns back sentiment or syntax or categories or whatever, right? So you do have to handle mm-hmm. that sort of transcription portion, but I believe there are also APIs for that as well, which will handle that. Okay, along yeah. with that, and actually not along with that, but next we have an Elasticsearch driver for Laravel Scout. So Explorer is a next-gen Elasticsearch driver for Laravel Scout, uh, and it has the power of Elasticsearch's queries, which I was not aware of until I just started looking at this. So uh, if you're if you're aware of Scout, what it does, which it basically allows you a really nice ability to search across models with different pieces of that model included in the search query. So if you've ever gone to Laravel's documentation, and I think you press the slash and then you start typing in something, it will pull up uh, basically a full text search of all the different things that are in the Laravel documentation so you can quickly find your way around, right? That's essentially what Laravel Scout does. But what this was does in particular is it also allows you to use these special advanced queries. So you can say, I'm looking for a post and I want to search for the word lorem. And it must have a matching title of this. And it should have a term uh, with a tag matching this. And then filter out anything like this. So these are things that are not typically available in a regular Scout uh, engine. But now you have them because of Explorer, which again, it uses Elasticsearch. So it's really interesting. If you need a little bit more granularity around how these searches are happening, uh, there's some really good examples in the Explorer documentation, which will walk you through getting set up uh, with these more advanced settings and 
code. So there's also demo applications as well that you can take a look at, which might be helpful to explore how to integrate Explorer in your Laravel application. If you find that the Scout stuff that you're using right now just is not working uh, to get you the type of results that you need, this might be a good thing to look at. So uh, Jerowen G is the author behind this. So great job, Jerowen. Thanks so much. Excellent. Next up, we have Airdrop, which is a package for Laravel that speeds up code deployments by skipping asset builds whenever possible. Airdrop calculates the hash of everything needed in your build assets. That means your packages, your JavaScript, your CSS, and so on. And if Airdrop encounters the same hash, it will skip the asset build step and pull down build assets via Laravel's file system API, which it can store on the file system as a zip file, typically a cloud provider like S3. The gist of how this works is that once you've installed and configured Airdrop, you'll have commands that you add to your deployment pipeline, Artisan Airdrop Download, NPM Run Production, and Artisan Airdrop Upload. Depending on how you intend to skip the asset building, NPM Run Production step will skip building assets if a dot airdrop underscore skip dot file exists. And there's an example of how you would go about that from the deployment documentation. And lastly, if for some reason you can't work with the built-in file system driver that ships with Airdrop to upload and download your compiled assets, you can define a plain PHP class that extends the package's base driver, which shows you how, uh, which has two two methods, an upload and a download that you can use to then go about your business. We talked about the thing that we've spoken about previously. Lasso. Yeah, it sounds very so, similar yeah, so to Lasso. Similar, similar yep. sort of thing there. So definitely check, check this out if if you're wanting to look into that. I know that for most things, I don't have a huge asset pipeline it usually only takes a couple of seconds to 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 run through npm production when i'm doing deployments but the thing is if you're doing it every single if you're deploying a lot and you're making changes to php code or html but you're not changing any of your css or anything like that it's it's a little bit different now if you're using say for example tailwind and and purge and things like that you're probably going to need to run the production builds more often because you are certainly going to need to parse over the 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 syntax that you're using and, and recompiling classes that you've added since the last deployment, but being able to speed up any part of that deployment process, especially if you're in a rush to, you know, fix a PHP bug, you don't want to have to wait for NPM to compile. So definitely check out either Airdrop or, or Lasso, which you've sp- spoken about previously. Okay, very cool. Uh, we've got a tutorial here by a developer, Doke Norg, who's from the Netherlands. And what he's talking about here is Laravel Nova. So uh, we use and love Laravel Nova, author David Hemphill, a good friend and amazing developer. And so usually Laravel Nova, you'll be kind of hard. I don't know. I would say you'd be hard pressed to find something that doesn't solve for you almost out of the box. There's also a ton of libraries Mm -hmm. that are available for it out there or packages, I suppose, uh, out there for it. And so the fields are, are really smart by default and they're suited for almost all situations. But you have a situation in which the UI matches your need, like Laravel Nova's uh, UI matches the need, but the field handles data differently, do you have to create a custom field? Maybe, but maybe not. And so this article basically goes through the different built-in fields and tells you how to customize their behavior, which you can read in the docs, uh, but there's also some additional tips in here. One of the ones that's pointed out is grouping multiple Booleans into a Boolean group. So imagine, for example, that you have a message model it represents a message that can be shown in different scopes, uh, like a website or a app or a RSS feed. And you want to query those messages by their scope. And so you've added three Boolean fields, scope it to the website, scope it to the app, scope it to the RSS feed. And you could have made categories in a pivot table, but you only have these scopes 
And so what you want to do is create this Boolean group, which is a field that you may not have used previously, but is something that you might want to check out in that case. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire post here, uh, but these Boolean groups are incredibly powerful. And um, this is a great article for if you are one of those folks who does happen to use Nova heavily, and um, that would be me. So I'm going to go back and read this one through as soon as we're off the air here, but definitely check that one out. And thanks to Doke Norg for writing this one up for us. All right. At the finish line here, my friend. The last thing we have here, please, Jake, can you say hello to the Inertia Head Component? Hello, Inertia Head Component. This is a tutorial... This is a tutorial from our good buddy and pal, Yaz Jalad. With the newest release of Inertia.js comes a new component called the Inertia Head Component. The component allows you to update the title and meta tags inside the head tag of your HTML. Before this component, trying to change the title of your page, although not impossible, wasn't very easy. Not only can you do this with ease within your page component now, but you can also take advantage of any props passed to your page. Imagine being able to see your open graph tags dynamically or updating the page's title when your user is reading an article or even changing the favicon. All of this is now possible. So I won't go into it because it's fairly code heavy, but essentially if you had like a, a blog post or a, a post view component sitting within your main layer, if you wanted to update the title previously, you might have to do some faffing around with portals or you know, setting things in a in global state or whatever like that. So this will now allow you to create a inertia dash head tag, or or uh, you forgot attributes and I forgot the name of that an, an element, an, an inertia head element, um, where you can set uh, these these values d- directly within that element, and that will then I guess teleport everything within that inertia head component into the head and and swap out the title, um, and swap out things like the the meta tags so you can update your open graph meta tags from within the context of the post with that the properties that are passed into that post component. Uh, so Yaz does go into a good deal of detail uh, to show what is actually happening uh, with some comprehensive code samples, which, as I said, not going to read out because I always get myself in trouble with that. So uh, where this really shines is where it, it is paired with the upcoming yeah. server-side rendering feature for Inertia, um, which is now ready to be used and is currently powering the Inertia.js website, um, but is not quite released as a as a final, you know, full version thing yet. So definitely check that out. Thanks, Diaz, for the article and and congratulations to the the Inertia team. They're kicking goal after goal over there, making this a really solid tool for living that that dream of having all of your rendering. Uh, all of your outs and controllers and that powering view components without having to build out an SPA and then reinvent all of your authentication stuff uh, on on that side of things in the front end. So definitely check it out. If Especially, I, I saw Yaz tweeted today, if you are creating Blade components that are yeah, simply stuff, right. passing properties to a view component what 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 is stopping you from using inertia and that, that's a good way of positioning it because inertia essentially takes that step out where all you're having to do is is build your routes and your controllers and then dive straight into your view components without that intermediate and sort of extraneous step of having to create a blade view as well so if you haven't checked out inertia js definitely check that out and, and give a shout out to jonathan rennick and and the team on twitter absolutely well, hey, folks, that brings us to the end of the show. This was episode 144. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again. You can find show notes for this show at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 144. 
If you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter, you can find us at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. And always, if you liked the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate it up with five stars in your podcatcher of choice. That would be amazing. All right, folks, that is it for us. We will see you again in a fortnight. Peace out, my friends. See you.